Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn with your hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. And man, it's a beautiful day because the Tigers got one heck of a win in Fayetteville this past weekend. And Jay and I are, of course, going to recap all the action for you. There was also plenty going on around the SEC since we last talked. So we are going to recap all of it for you, talk about what all has transpired in the last week, this past weekend, and uh, talk a little bit about the bye week that we are now in, which I think came at a fantastic time for this Auburn program. So we are going to get you caught up on all of it. But first, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or the mobile website to sign up today, and they're giving a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive the bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so head on over to the website today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Jason Campbell, how you feeling today, my guy? I, I just, I'm on a high from that showing from our Tigers this week. I tell you what, that was a great game, and uh, the weather was awesome this weekend. Uh, yeah. like in the, like it was great football weather, but... I was on a high over the weekend because, like I said, Auburn probably looked the best that they've looked as a complete football team all season. And then mm-hmm. from an offensive standpoint, I thought Bo did a really good job of staying in the pocket, making some yep. key throws down the field. And uh, and I thought we made some big plays when we needed to make some big plays. Did we get helped by the refs a little bit? Yes, we did. But that comes and goes throughout the season. Some games we don't get calls and some games we get the calls. So right. it's always come back full circle. But I am a little bit down today because Uh my Braves gave up a 5-2 lead in the eighth inning. Yeah. And ended up losing 6-5 to 
to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So yes, I was looking but, forward to the three and oh. And I know what you're about to say. Jason, what? they got away with the first two games off a walk Thank off you. So all the reverse <laughs> and, and then they get, you know, that's so, sports, man. The pendulum yeah, swings. It. The pendulum swings. They got two back-to-back walk-off wins in that fashion, man. Come on. It was only yeah. it was inevitable that something like this was gonna happen, you know. But you know, as a fan, how you feel like we don't like to think that way. Like, I know. okay, you know, they kind of got one back that they should have got when they was in Atlanta. But you know, what a great series so far, though. Oh you know, God. like so good coming off of a hip injury and playoffs. All of a sudden, he rips one out to the field and brings a guy in, get an RBI, and then all of a sudden, you know, this is gonna be a good series. I see it probably going seven. I know yeah. Charles Barkley's on TV. I guarantee a Braves sweep. That's not <laughs> happening. And he's back on the tumble. I guarantee the Braves. I'm like, you please stop guaranteeing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not like your guarantees are not going well. <laughs> so that's hilarious. You're a baseball person. And Tell now us a little I bit am. What you think about the series when you think about the Astros and the Red Sox and the Braves and the Yankees? Like, who do uh, you think going to be competing for the World Series? You mean the Dodgers? Why are you saying Yankees? I mean. Yeah, yeah, Dodgers, my bad. Gosh, <laughs> I, was just, I was just in New York, people. I was That's just not in even New the York. right coast, Jay. <laughs> I was just in New York. That's true. Hang with He's me a little bit. sleep deprived. Yeah, a little but sleep. I, I mean, I, I think the Braves are going to pull it off. I think there's, there's a spark, man. There's something about October baseball that is just different. I mean, gosh, I just, I like so much about this Braves team. I've been a Dansby Swanson fan since he was at Vanderbilt. Freddie Freeman, you just can't not root for a guy like that. I mean, they just have so many pieces, but. I think that there's there's less of a predictability to October baseball, which makes it so flipping exciting. I'm I'm less intrigued by the Astros series. Sorry, but I I just don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I just it's not appealing to me right now. I mean, maybe uh-huh. it'll pick up a little bit, but it's definitely a fun time of year right now. I feel like a wealth of riches. Although the flip side of that coin for you and I working in sports is, you know, like no sleep ever and no, (laughs) no downtime because we are now with playoff baseball. We've got college football in the actual Mm -hmm. thick of it. NFL as well. And basket, well, NBA tips off tonight. College basketball is a couple weeks away, which uh, a lot of hype around Bruce Pearl and this Auburn team as well. So there is just an influx of sports knowledge coming our way right now, which is so much fun as a fan. And, and you uh, just mentioned something that kind of struck a nerve. You just said what? Auburn basketball. They got us ranked fifth in the SEC. Are you kidding me? That's well, okay. That's okay. okay. I mean, honestly, as an Auburn fan, I've come to prefer that. <laughs> because really? When Even we in are, basketball? When we are the- overhyped preseason, I'm not talking one season gets going. This team's going to prove it. I, I really feel confident about this group. But preseason, I just like I like more calm as an Auburn fan. Preseason, hmm. rise to the occasion to prove doubters wrong. That is so much of like Auburn athletics swag is like you hmm. doubt us and it's almost more fun when we succeed that way. So you like to be the cream that rises top. That's what yeah, you're saying. Man. And rather yeah, be in the, on top and then fall from the mountain. 100%. 100%. I don't like to be overhyped. I think that you set yourself up for failure that way. Less expectation. History has shown us that that often works in our favor. And I even would dare to say that's what's happening to this Auburn football program. I still think there's a lot of doubters even coming off that Arkansas win, which like 
I understand everyone loves the Sam Pittman story, myself included. I think what he is doing there and the way he has rallied this program, the team, the guys love playing for him. There's a buy-in. I am all for it. I don't think that anyone wants to sing the praises of Auburn, even (laughs) though there's been such a hype around Arkansas and we performed the way we did. It's like you still are not going to be given – the I mean, watching game day, no one picked Auburn to win right. that game. And, like, well, I guarantee no one would sit there and talk about the fact that maybe Auburn is better than we thought they were. Nobody's going to say that. We're going to talk about the right. refs. We're going to talk about things that Arkansas didn't do well. It's still never going to be the narrative that maybe Auburn is just a dang good program. Right. And I'm going to tell you, that's a great starting point right there. That's a great Let's way to go. bring it to the show. I'm going to tell you right <laughs> there, Taylor. See, that's why you are the best co-host. I'm going to say this. <laughs> like, from I'm always trying to gravitate information out there. You know, just kind of put it out there to some people that I kind of know. You know, I won't ever mention their names on the yeah. show. But, you know, some naysayers, this is what they say. They say, well, Arkansas had given up 52 points to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. They went to Georgia, got beat down, giving up 37 and then they play Auburn team that just lost to Georgia and wants to come out and prove that they're a better football team than, than how they showed. Mm-hmm. And we go there and like I said, we play lights out. It's an early morning kickoff. They look beat at, they look beat down. We look like we was playing on a different level, but I'm just saying this, when you go to SEC and you win, it's always a big win because yeah. it's not an easy league to play in, but naysayers say that, we're only beating teams that we're either equal to or teams that are below us. But right. teams that we come up against that are tough teams, we haven't got there yet. So I said, well, the schedule continues. I yeah. said, this was my answer. I said, well, we won't know that until we get down the road and we play, you know, Texas A&M and Alabama. And I said, we got an old Miss coming up, which we'll talk about next week. But at yep. the same time is, okay, when we get old Miss, the schedule is kind of – it's starting to look like – a good way for Auburn because LSU, I mean, Ole Miss would be coming off playing LSU, just played Tennessee, just yeah. played Alabama. So they're going to be kind of beat up a little bit. So it kind of rails for us to be coming off a bye week when that time comes. So yeah, at the end of this year, Taylor, we could be playing for the SEC West versus Alabama. And, you know, so, so it's just crazy how things can go. And do I think Harson's having success right now in the early part of his career at Auburn? Yes, I think this is success right now. Like, right. look at they're sitting five and two. They've lost to two top ten opponents. And, and he's still trying to rebuild the program to the way that he wants it. I think right now sitting at five and two at the bye week, you would take that at this yeah. standpoint. I mean, good gracious. Remember back in the off season when we were previewing the season and the first chunk of it, like that Penn State matchup in Happy Valley, Georgia so early in the season, LSU sandwiched in there, Baton Rouge, where we were just cursed up until this season. And now Mm -hmm. Arkansas, flashback a few weeks ago after Arkansas did what they did to Texas, everyone thought Arkansas was going to make a run for the West. They beat Texas A&M. And then, you know, obviously what happened to them against Georgia, a shootout against Ole Miss, though. Like, I think at this point of the season in the SEC, you can't only look at how many losses a team has. You have to look at the way in which they lost. I think there is value to the 
the opponent that you lose to, yes, but also the parameters around it. Was it a road game? Was it a primetime TV slot? What has that team done since then? And how did they lose? Yes, we lost to Georgia, but the way that we lost to Georgia and the way Arkansas lost to Georgia were very different narratives. Yes, we lost to Penn State, but we went into an incredibly hostile environment, the earliest big-time power fine matchup of this season, and rose to the occasion. That's what I'm saying. Like, yes, we lost, but good gracious, there were so many positives taken away from that. So I think when you look at this Auburn team, you don't just see two losses because those losses were still quality losses. They suck, but they're quality losses. And then I think the the bigger question is the wins, actually, because, yes, we beat LSU at home. But what the heck is LSU this year? It feels like such a conundrum because they beat Florida this past weekend, which was a huge win for them. But what is Florida this year? We don't know that either. Like, they looked like a disheveled team against Vanderbilt when I had them a few weeks ago, but they still won 42 to nothing. Like, the the ability to identify these teams and really classify them for what they're going to put on the field each week is harder this season than it has been in years. There is so much less predictability and repetition this year. I mean, we talked about the ACC last week and how it's basically non-existent. Wake Forest, I guess, is the one you hang your hat on this year. What? Like, I feel like the SEC is is kind of a toss-up right now, too. We had all written off Texas A&M as soon as they got into the QB issue. Then they take down Alabama. Like, you can't go ahead and write Auburn off because we've got two losses, because our wins are LSU when they've been down and Arkansas after we give them grace because they got pummeled by Georgia and then had a shootout against Ole Miss. They were tired, yada, yada, yada. I I just – that narrative around Auburn is always going to be there, and I think that this next matchup, Ole Miss, is probably going to be the one that could sway it one way or the other. We are one of, like, three teams that control – the destiny in terms of the SEC title game this this season, which is baffling. But yeah, but this is awesome though, Taylor. See all these awesome points, people. See, this is why you have Taylor <laughs> Davis. But I'm telling you, like this is awesome because Jason's my hype man. I swear, <laughs> this is what you need in the middle of the season during football season. No you one do. wants to be four and three three and four at this point of the season and you have nothing that you feel like you're playing for. Like you want right. to be having a feeling where you feel like you're in the fight and you have a chance. And right now I feel like this team has a chance. Like that's all you can ask for in the first year of a new coach. Like, yeah. come on, you know, like we almost lost to Georgia state three weeks ago. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of gone in some people's memory, but it still sticks in my memory because to me, that's kind of the game where you saw things start to get under some people's skin a little bit and make them come out and perform a lot better. I think Bo has gotten better since being benched. I feel like Tank kinda, like, has kind of realized like, oh, my man Hunter, this guy can run the ball too. So let me get myself in check as well. So I, I still think like the team is still trying to figure out who they are a little bit, but I think a lot of that got answered a little bit during the Arkansas game where we didn't throw the ball a ton. We didn't just run it a ton. I think we was well balanced. And I feel like if they can continue to be well balanced moving forward, it gives this team an opportunity to be successful. Our defense, like they play a, they play a bend, but don't break defense. Like you can get your yards in between the 20 and the 20, but what our defense is doing really well is once they get to the red zone, that's against the wall. They, that's when they stiffen up on you and they've done a really good job. So 
you know, other than the Georgia game, but I feel like in the Georgia game, offensively, we set them up to have success because we put them in a bad position. So, but right. now I feel like in this game against Arkansas, it was a more balanced attack. So if our defense can do those same things moving forward, like we're going to have an opportunity to be in every ball game. As long as you're not turning the ball over, as long as you're staying on schedule on offense, what I mean by that is you're not three and out. So your defense is not getting a chance to get any rest or they're able to rest up on the sideline because you're sustaining drives. Then I think it's going to pay off for us, especially with some of the news what Moultrie may be back by the time we play Texas A&M. Ooh. Like that game just gets a little bit bigger now. So, yeah. you know, it's an exciting time as a football fan because it's almost like you're playing Russian roulette in college football. You don't know totally. how to teams every week. Like every week a different team shows up. Like LSU beat Florida. What? Are you kidding? Yeah. Like in a high scoring game? Where was the defense? There's none. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know what to say from easy standpoint who's the big domino effect alabama barely beat florida by two points it seemed like florida mm-hmm. crumbled a little bit after losing after that, that they did and it seemed like they lost their confidence yep. and i'm just like well kentucky plays georgia this past week okay i'm looking at the schedule i mean i look at the scores 14 to 7 like okay you know they're fighting but then all of a sudden georgia separates themselves yeah. but this is the point of the season where i feel like it did you know, we'll talk about Tennessee later. I'll let you get us to that. But this is the point of season where the meat and the potatoes, like we say, starts to separate. So really good teams are going to separate from the teams that are kind of looking on to recruiting and just trying to get out to next year. Yeah, which is what I think happened to Florida. I, I think that after the Alabama loss, they were very discouraged and it stung because it was within grasp, yada, yada. But then once they lost to Kentucky, the wheels just completely fell off. I mean, no one was bought in. I was there firsthand. I covered that game right after the Kentucky loss and it was like Dan Mullins lost control of the thing honestly and obviously he's kind of lost control of his own (laughs) viewpoint on things and I think now that Coach O has been let go Dan Mullen probably sits in the hottest seat in the SEC but nonetheless we're going to get to that at the end of it so much to say good gracious I want to go back to what you said about Arkansas we are going to recap this game Auburn defeats Arkansas 38 to 23 the first top 25 win under Coach Harson. The sixth straight win for Auburn over Arkansas, which is very tough to do in the SEC. Love that. I think this was the best called game by Mike Bobo yet. Mm-hmm. I think what we forget when we get into the, you know, flux of season and how quickly things go is six weeks ago, this was a brand new staff to this team that we were very unsure what it was going to look like. There were so many questions that we had. There were so many answers we were looking to have once season got going. And then you get into the the repetition of season, and now we're six weeks in, and we just forget that, like, this was all new six weeks ago. And I think that we talk so often when we bring in new players about the need for chemistry to develop and how it takes time. That is the same for a coaching staff and for play calling as well. And yes, Mike Bobo has a lot of experience in the SEC, but he is new to this personnel. He is new with Coach Harson. Like there are moving pieces on that side of things that do take time to gel. And I think that he is really starting to learn Bo. I think he's starting to learn this this group of wide receivers as they are developing and working through growing pains he called the best game that we have seen which I think set Bo and the playmakers up to have their one of their best games Mm -hmm. the deep shots taken on first down the the 
the intensity of the play call. I mean, like this was an aggressively called offensive game, which I think Bo took to really, really well. He was 21 of 26 for 292 yards and three total touchdowns because he gained confidence early. Not only do you gain confidence by the way you perform, you gain confidence by getting play calls that put a lot on you because that shows that your OC and your coaching staff have confidence in your ability to make it happen, which he did. Exactly. And my whole thing is what I have been saying. We have a kid named Malcolm Johnson that's on the sideline with exceptional speed. And mm-hmm. he's he kind of opened it up. You know, that was Bo's first touchdown pass against Arkansas. You know, it was off a play and pass, and boom, he's able to hit him on a deep post route. The safety sucked First up. possession. First possession. And you go down and score. That does wonders for your football team because now everybody feels involved and we're utilizing that speed. And so to see that, that lets me know, like, okay, we're getting on schedules for us, like filling out fulfilling our personnel and when you think about that and then you know with uh Demetrius Robinson to make that big catch and then uh, go 71 yards for a touchdown you know you know just it's a game of inches the safety barely missed it with his hands and then it mm-hmm. just falls right that's great concentration so we have to give credit when credit is due like you know both of those guys you know both great throw and then both of those guys have the focus after hearing all the noise over the last couple of weeks about all the drops, but then they made two contested catches and, and yeah. turns them into touchdowns. So, you know, that's, that's progress. That's, uh, that's improvement. And so it's going to take week by week. And, and I just think for Mike Bobo, I think there is, you know, trying to feel, yes, him and coach Harson know each other, but you don't really know somebody until you live with them. So yeah. now that they're living together at the facility, they're to there every day. They're trying to figure out each other's thoughts. They're trying to put both of them piece, both of them mindsets into a game plan where they have an understanding of what one's thinking and what one wants to know. Now I think you can see a little bit better of our offensive rhythm, because when you look at our rushing attack, like, at, at this point in time, like Tank Bisbee has 102 attempts for 526 yards. Jacquez Hunter has 57 attempts for 492 yards. So you're only talking about only 30-some yards difference between the two, and Jacquez almost has half the attempt. So Jacquez is really averaging 8.6 yards per carry right now, and Tank is averaging 5.2, which is nothing to be shy about. So it goes to show you our run game is, is really having a good effect right now at this point in the season. And from a passing standpoint – you know, Bo has eight touchdown passes, 60% completion percentage, and you no know, 1,488 yards and eight touchdowns with two interceptions. So he's improving. Has there been a chance of other interceptions early in the year? Yes, it was. There there was an opportunity for some. But if he can get the completion percentage up and if he can continue to improve like he did against Arkansas, then this offense really can take off. So there's just things that this team can do and continue to grow. I just feel like – I don't really know where we really are just yet, but I, okay. I say we are in a better place now than I thought we would this coming part of the season in his yeah. first year. Well, and we're we're seeing progression instead of regression, which I a lot of teams in the SEC can't say that. Again, back to Florida, like they have te- taken steps backwards. I feel like Arkansas has as well. Like at least with Auburn, we are seeing – while, you know, there have been the quote growing pains and we've certainly seen flaws, 
they are being addressed. You know, I feel like that was a thing back when, you know, Malzahn was still here so many times. We were talking about the same issues week in and week out. And every time they took the field, it looked as though it wasn't even addressed or, or it wasn't, nothing was done about it. The wide receivers, for example, not only the drops, I mean, they had 11 total in the past two games, but they did a great job in receptions this week. Ten different players recorded at least one reception. So they also were spreading it out and, and letting a lot of these guys have an opportunity. But not only in terms of production in comparison to drops that we've struggled with this season, but like they looked like they knew what they were doing this week. You know what I mean? Like there were so many right. times this season where they would go out on the field and and some of them looked lost. Like they literally looked like they weren't clear on their assignment. They were, they looked like, you know, the, the doe idea trying to figure out what, what I'm doing out here. They had solid footing this week for lack of a better term. I mean that in, mm -hmm. in confidence, in awareness, in, um, assignment. There was there was a better understanding from the wide receivers this week. Obviously, we're seeing the tight ends get involved as well. Several of them had catches, a couple big drops, but nonetheless. Um, but I think that that's, that's part of this thing that you want to see. And again, I feel like this is such a great time for a bye week because there certainly are games and there are issues that we still need to hone in on and fine tune. But this week, you're also coming off a lot of positives that you can grow and mature and evolve and run with. And I think a reality that was proven this past week is a reality that has not been the case in several seasons. And that is, if the run game falls apart, we can utilize the passing game. I think Bo has proven that in this first half of the season. It's not perfect, but we are closer to that narrative than we have been since maybe his freshman year, honestly. There is, there is a confidence in the passing game, having those tight ends involved, and Bo settling in in his reads and progressions. Jason, did you not feel like he was slowing down on his reads this week? Maybe he listened to the podcast. You know, I, I always wonder, <laughs> like, does anybody listen to the podcast that kind of passes the information on that's from a quarterback to another quarterback? Because I don't get a chance to talk to these guys, you know, nor in nor yeah, yeah. during season because, you know, that's, that's a coach thing, you know, so right. you don't really want to interfere. But that's always been my thing. I've always said <laughs> – I just want his feet to slow down in the pocket yeah. because his feet and his shoulders and his eyes, just like when things slow down for you, then you can make more accurate throws and exactly. especially like deep down the field. And so, you know, I didn't see a lot of feet moving, a lot of pitter patter. I just saw a guy that looked calm and looked like he was in control. And, and, and that's the thing. And are you going to be able to do that every game? Not every game, but if you can do that, on a consistent basis and not run out the pocket or run backwards, like right. you're going to help your game so much more. So we'll see if he looks at this and say, Hmm, maybe I should just sit in the pocket a little bit more and keep my feet calm and just go through my progressions and not have to feel like I got to get out of the pocket every time to make a big throw. So, right. I mean, I'm sure that's been a, a point of emphasis for them for a long time, but it, it looked like he was actually able to implement it this week. And it, it is a game changer. It really is. Now, a lot of it is the offensive line. We talk a lot about him stepping up into the pocket if, if he's feeling the pressure, but this line allowed zero QB pressures this week and they were without Austin Troxel. So very impressive. And I think that they're kind of starting to find their own. I don't think we have a set 
front five, though. I, I think this bye week, they're, I wouldn't be surprised if more shuffling happens, trying to find that, that perfect formula for that front. But they did a much better job holding off Arkansas's defensive front and giving Bo that time. But the run game is interesting. This is not at all what I anticipated for Auburn's run game this week, and I want to get your input on why you think that is. Because Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter averaged only 3.8 yards per carry. Over the past four games, Tank is averaging just 3.4. And yes, you've got, you know, Hunter who came in and really made a splash, and so they're they're splitting the reps a bit more than obviously last year when it was basically like Tank and every now and then Shivers. And then you also do have Shivers. Do you think this is a an offensive line thing? Because they're doing great in pass protection, like we saw this week, but the run lanes aren't really there. Is it is it more that? Or are teams just keyed in on Auburn's run game because they've come to know to expect that, like, Tank's going to make this thing go? Yeah, that's the number one thing. Teams are just coming to say, coming into the ball games. They're saying, hey, we're going to try to make them one-dimensional and make them throw the ball. Like, if Bo beats us and his receivers beats us catching and throwing, then – so be it. But what we're not going to do is let them get Tank Bisbee going, get Jacquez Hunter going. And I do feel like once Shivers got back into the mix, it seemed like to me once it was a one-two punch, it looked more fluent. But then once Shivers got back into the mix, it's almost like Tank leaves the field on all third downs. And that kind of like, you know, it, it can mess with the flow a little bit just because you have two guys it's easier to transition when you're trying to transition through all three guys, which Shivers is a big part of what we do from a from a receiving standpoint out of the backfield. But I also feel like Tank can catch the ball out the backfield. But, yeah. you know, Shivers is a senior, and I understand they want to get him the reps as well, give him an opportunity to to be seen. And, and you know, he he's earned that, you know, with the way he worked so hard over the summer and everything. So I just think more teams are key in on it. I do think our offensive line like to get more push up front uh, when it comes to, to running the football. But – I think the way that we threw the ball over the past weekend will kind of help open up the running game a little bit more so we can get back to getting to getting Tank going a little bit more, bring in Jacquez and hit him with another punch and then get yeah. Shivers his touches. So, you know, moving forward, we'll see how much has the passing game improved that will help that run game. Totally. Because I, I, we are going to need both going down the stretch because mm-hmm. we we do still have some, you know, tough SEC matchups looming and, and you're going to need all hands on deck. But – Defensively, I think the only, you know, thing that you really got to hone in on is third down defense. Defense allowed eight of 12 third down conversions of six yards or more, which mm, not ideal. They're number eight in the SEC in third down defense. We also struggled in third down defense last season as well. So what is happening there? How can they fix it? Certainly a point of emphasis heading into the bye week. Another great person that we need back is Owen Papo and his injury. He has missed the past four games after a lower body injury in Penn State. And it is reminiscent of last season depth at the linebacker position where so much, yes, we have quality guys behind him, but like to make up for it, you are taking a ridiculous workload. Chandler Wooten and Zacoby McLean played 88 and 91 plays against Arkansas this past week. These guys are living on the field, and it goes hand-in-hand hand if you're allowing third-down conversions and you're not getting off the field. The amount of time that you are spending playing out there is a lot, and and it's a lot oh, yeah. for even the, the best athlete. But talk to me a little bit about – how defense can tighten up there and uh, and what you anticipate seeing them 
try and do against an Ole Miss offense that we'll face next week. Well, I say this that that back came at the right time when you think Literally. about Chandler Wooten and Jacoby McClain because both of these guys with the amount of plays that you just reeled off, like you know, I'm I'm surprised these guys, you know, are still standing so far. But yeah, you know, to be able to to play in an SEC schedule and get ready to put an old Miss team that you know they go so fast that there's no or there's no time to catch your breath, so you got to be ready to go. So it gives these two guys for sure an opportunity to get healthy, get well rested, you know, and hopefully Owen is back by that time and he can be another guy that can help us because he'll be fresh. But I just think from a defensive back standpoint, we got to find a way to create more turnovers. And I think how you do that is you have to be a little bit more aggressive at the line of scrimmage. And what I mean by that, maybe getting a little bit more press rather than just off coverage all the time, mix it up a little bit more. Uh, try to find a way to get your hands on these receivers, get them off their routes a little bit, you know, make the time another quarterback and, and, and the receiver be off. And that that's how you create turnovers. That's how you're able to create pressure on defense where guys, they get a little uneasy in the pocket and they just try to get rid of the football. And then next thing you know, we're getting turnovers. And mm-hmm. so that's the next step I feel like for this football team like we give up way too many yardage passing like on first and second downs and like I said on third downs we're not getting off the field a lot because we do play a bend and instead of being in break defense like we give it to you as we seen like between the 2020s but like I said before we're stiffening in the red zone but I need us to kind of stiffen sometime in the middle of the field because yeah. you don't want to go against some of these really good football teams we have coming up you can't afford to get down 14-0 you can't afford to get down 10-0 and try to climb right. your way back out of these games like when, you, when you're playing against teams like Ole Miss and Texas and m and Alabama who can kind of score right there with you, you 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 got to find a way to get to their quarterback and find a way to create pressures. I know we run at 34 defense and we try to depend on the outside linebackers to try to get that pressure on the quarterbacks. But sometimes that's tough, you know, especially yeah. when you're going against some of these big offensive linemen in the SEC. So I, I just think we have to find a way to mix in a couple of blitz packages on third downs to find a way to get to the quarterback, you know, whether it's boundary corner blitzes, well, bringing a free safety every now and then, whether it's bringing a might wheel cross linebacker blitz uh, up the middle, try to create some pressure and, yeah. and make the quarterback get rid of the football. We just got to find a way, I think, to, I think what Derek Mason was doing early in the year, just making sure guys understood the philosophy of his defense. Right. Now, I think that they have a little better understanding. Now, I think he may try to add some of those blitz packages for the second half of the season. I agree with you. I, I I won't be surprised to see that. And I certainly think they're going to have to against a guy like Matt Corral, who is really putting on a show at Ole Miss. Uh, currently the SEC's number one offense. Now they do play LSU this week, so we'll see how that fares. But they're putting up 553 yards per game. They're the number two scoring offense at 43.7 points per game. So mm-hmm. it will definitely be a tough test for our defense. Arguably the toughest, even though we've already faced the number one team in the country that's not because of their offense. That's because right. of their defense. So offensively, this will be the toughest test that our defense have, has faced. So great, great time for a bye week to come in. Would love to see Papo back. We'll we'll wait and see how that goes. But give me a little insight, Jay, from a player. What is a bye week 
like? What is the schedule like? How are practices different, if at all? What do you do on Saturday when everyone else is playing? What's it like? <laughs> it was a lot different. We're coming off of a victory. I tell you that. Uh, when you come <laughs> off a victory, you know, the coaches are a little bit in a better mood. Your food tastes better. You know, <laughs> your girlfriend looks better. <laughs> you know, everything <laughs> is just better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the first and foremost. Um, that's good. So I think, you know, Typically how it goes, Taylor, is you, you practice up to Wednesday. Wednesday, you have an early practice, and then it's more of a light practice. It's not really padded practices. It's more of like shorts and helmet. And uh, you kind of go through some stuff where they're, you know, kind of go through some things where they preview some things for old Miss, uh, try to get it to the guys a little bit so they can kind of start preparing on it. But then the other part of it is get some rest. Uh, you know, let the guys rest up after Wednesday's practice. They're usually off until Sunday. And the coaches use it typically. They usually leave Wednesday after practice, and they usually go on recruiting visits. And this is, this is their big recruiting time for the coaching staff. And they typically come back on Saturday night and get ready to gear up and meet the players back on Sunday and, and get ready to start the second half of the season. So mm-hmm. that's that's more likely how this is going to go as well. Um, for Coach Harson, this is his first big recruiting opportunity uh, in season. And like I said, over having so many huge recruits at the Georgia game, and then this Arkansas game was a much-needed victory because mm-hmm. you had the recruits there in the Georgia game. and But now you're going to see how those recruits paid attention, see how you went to Arkansas at one. So now you can kind of walk into some of these guys' homes or go watch some of them play, and uh, they feel a little bit better about Auburn. So, you know, we'll see how this recruiting class starts to take form because, you know, like I know, there's early signing period that comes up in December where a lot of these teams are signing between 15 and 18 guys in December. Yep. And then they'll find sign like 8 to 12 in February to finish it off. So this is a very critical week for the coaching staff. But for the players, this is a rest period. Interesting. I like it. And uh, you got to feel like Harson's been really pounding the pavement ever since news came out that Coach O and LSU have decided to part ways, which leaves mm-hmm. some verbal commits and potential LSU recruits in a, in a precarious situation. And that's a, that's a good time. It's like when, when you get, you get news that, uh, that, that girl you've had your eye on is single (laughs) again and you just start, you know, planting seeds. I'm not going to rush the process here, but I'm here if you're ready. Like that's Auburn (laughs) right now, you know, looking at these LSU commits, but I do want to get your opinion on that news that, uh, came out after LSU beat Florida, Mm -hmm. which, Timing was just interesting. You know, you don't expect it. I I remember a few years ago when Les Miles got fired after Auburn beat them. But Uh we we finally see this, what felt like an inevitable decision going into this year and certainly the way they started the year. But they choose to do it after defeating George or Florida in the way in which they did, which is interesting. But nonetheless, uh, really just shows that that was going to happen all along. It, It wasn't a matter of, you know, timing, but, uh, basically they have, uh, come to agreement of separation. This is basically an amicable split. Apparently they're presenting a United front. He will coach the remainder of the season and then, uh, a replacement will be hired from there. Um, thoughts on this. I was not surprised in the slightest after covering them at one point this season, I felt like the writing was on the wall, but Give me your opinion on it and uh, any guys that, that you think will fill the shoes. 
Oh, yeah. This is not shocking news to me. This is kind of something I thought of before the season started for LSU. I just feel like they was already heading in a different direction from Coach O just based off how last season went coming off a championship year that you just had in 2019. And I know COVID year was really tough, but you didn't expect them to just have the complete wheels fall off. And right. and it, it just goes to show you how much imp- how important it is to have great offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. And that's what he had in 2019. And one thing about Coach O is he can recruit his tail off. And so yeah. him getting players was never an issue. He just had guys in position to know how to put these players, how to take talent, and make it work for you. And that's mm-hmm. what those guys did in 2019. Now, both of those guys are gone, you know, and and everything. So now it makes it harder on Coach O when he's tried to go out and replace those guys last season. He made, you know, one, one of the probably worst defensive hires he could possibly make last year. Like, that's probably the worst defense I've seen in the SEC, and I don't know mm-hmm. when. And then all of a sudden this season he tries to go out and change that. And, uh, you know, he had a couple guys retire on him uh, and everything. So – he, he just hasn't been able to put a good coaching staff together since because it's not the same group of guys when he looked to his left and he looked to his right that he had right. that he had some type of rhythm with. And and for him, all the speculations off the field, as you know, soon it starts to bite at you and it starts to come into your program and and everything. So I think he's just dealing with so many things in that in that personal part of his life. And when you hear him say, you know, he's taking a break, like, let's just be honest. This is how the conversation went down. LSU called him into the room and they said, Coach O, we love you. And we we and thank you for everything you've done for us. Mm-hmm. But the the program is just not at a good place right now. And yeah. we're kind of losing some luster with some of our big recruits where you start to see guys on your team like Stingley Jr. and some of these other guys that say they don't even want to, like, participate anymore. Like they just looking forward to the draft. Like, come on. Like that don't sound right. You know what I'm saying? You lose your number one tight end last year to transfer to UGA this year. So when you start to see that happening, then you know, something is not sitting right within your program. And I think LSU is trying to get ahead of the thing by saying, coach, Oh, out of respect, we don't want to fire you right now. Like, we just rather just for you just finish out the season, but but not go behind your back and be trying to find somebody else and all of that. We rather for you just to know up front that we're moving on in another direction, but we're going to give you the privilege if you want to, to coach the rest of the season. And while we do go through a new coaching search and it's all up front so that we're not losing our recruits and that we can get a new, the new coaching, the new coaching opportunity to start to just kind of fulfill and put things out there to other recruits that, Hey, I'm going to be taking this job and you right. know to hang in there and everything. So I think they're doing it the right way because they owe him respect. He just won a championship two years ago. Yeah. And uh, so, and they still gonna pay him $17 million to go home. Like, Good gracious. You know, I think he can get a whole bunch of burgers and fries that he was saying, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> You know, shoot, you give me $17 million. To just, just stop. I'm just like, geez. I'm just like, that's yeah, the right? one thing about coaching. As a player, your butt get fired or cut. That's it. As a coach, you still get your salary paid that's out. That's so and true. So from a comfortable standpoint and a mental standpoint, you're not hurting financially. So right. that psychologically is gone out the window. Now, you may physically be hurting because you don't get a chance to do the one thing you love is coach at LSU and coach the young men and stuff and help them like that hurts you a lot. So there's just a lot of things that went on, but I think they're making the right decision because 
you're not used to seeing LSU look the way that they're looking. And, and I'm just saying like, so I think they're going to go out to Cincinnati's head coach. Uh, I really do. Luke Fickle. He's a hot commodity right now. USC try to go after him. I think they're going to try to go out to James Franklin from Penn state. They're going to see if they can bring him back to the sec. Um, I think that's probably those top there. That's their top two guys. I think Joe Brady may be in the midst. That's what uh, I was going to say. Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, just because he has a little history there from 2019. Um, but you got to be able to rally the troops around you, though. It's not just about calling plays. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're a head coach. You got to rally everybody. So totally. I would say he would be my third option after those first two guys. Yeah. And I think him having time in the NFL as well kind of changes the appeal. Not that that doesn't translate well. It definitely does. But there's a substantial difference in what he did as the offensive coordinator in 2019 with a guy like Joe Burrow than what he would have to do as a head coach of a program like LSU that is not at the point – you're going to inherit a lot of talent, but you're also inheriting a bit of a culture shift that's needed. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that the buy-in is not there for LSU football feels like a joke. Like that is one thing that I love so much about LSU is the pride and like the culture around it. Like they, for every sport, I mean, I have gone to LSU gymnastics meets that rival SEC basketball games. Like there is such a, a, a pride and a, 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 buy-in for LSU that they love so dearly. And I think that's why Coach O was such a, an obvious fit at first because he's a Bayou guy, you know, like he's from down there. He gets right. it. He loves the boot. Like it, he bleeds purple. And that that is so evident. But I think that in terms of being able to rally guys when what you're doing on the field is not great or getting, you know, some – because, look, the reality is – not all student athletes come in with the right attitude. Okay. I have all been right. privy to plenty <laughs> of them. They can be fantastic talent and be their own worst enemy because they don't have good attitude. They don't have work ethic. They just have raw athletic ability. You have to have the right guy in the front of the room to turn that around. It's not just about fine tuning the talent. It's fine tuning the person. And like, that is the aspect of a head coach that cannot be overlooked. And it's kind of an intangible. And I think when coach O came in, he inherited lightning in a bottle, like what he got. And then when Joe Burrow came in, and, and transferred in, you just have been given it on a silver platter and the fan base loves you because you're from the boot and you get it. Right. <laughs> I don't think it really was a clear indicator of what he can do as a head coach. And I think that aspect of it, we have gotten further away from at LSU and therefore they have played like the bad attitude that some of them have. So I don't know that Joe Brady would be the guy for that role. I actually think it's Luke Fickle. I think what he has done, this is the highest ranking that a group of five team has had in the playoff. Mm -hmm. Where Cincinnati is sitting right now, what he's done at that program without the resources of a power five school cannot be rivaled. And 
I've worked with him. He is very magnetic. He's very compelling, but he's also, there's a, there's a strictness about him too. He's kind of a no nonsense, kind of like Harson. I, oh, yeah. I like, I would like that fit. I think that would be, that would be my pick if my opinion mattered. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm talking about most definitely. He played against Georgia last year in a bowl game and almost beat him. So, yep. you know, this is not like, Oh, it was a one year where he's done. Like, no, he's been doing a great job up there since he's been there. And if I'm him, if it comes between LSU and USC, it's a no brainer. Like USC, you're in LA. Like there's so yeah. much, so many other things drawing your attention besides football there like it would take you years to get that program back changed at lsu all it takes is really one good recruiting class and your butt's right back in the fight and you're in the Mm -hmm. biggest conference that's about to span it's going to be the on every national television every week so it's the miniature nfl so yeah and he's going to get back in with the money. He's going to get back in with the boosters. He's going to, like, come on. Like, it just, like, you're going to a team that won a national championship just two years ago. Right. Like, USC hasn't won a national championship since 05. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I just feel like, but, you know, we'll see how this thing shake up. Like I said, you just don't never know about college football. I was nope. ranked number two for one week, and then all of a sudden they just get Purdue. Yeah, Purdue. <laughs> Purdue. I'm just like, what? You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, man. I just like, so you just don't ever know. Like, this year's pen- nuts. Yeah, like I haven't seen the ranking. What's the rankings for this week? Is it still Georgia one and Georgia one, Cincinnati two, Oklahoma three, Alabama four, Ohio State five, Michigan six, Penn State seven. Oklahoma State eight, Michigan State nine. That's interesting. Uh, mm. Oregon ten. So you're telling well, me mid, um, Big Ten has four teams in the top ten right now? Ew, <laughs> I don't like the. Big is ten. that what you're telling me? <laughs> I'm telling oh. you, college football is drunk this year. It is oh, hammered. None of it makes any sense. But uh, oh. man, it's been entertaining to watch. I'll tell you that much. Uh, now, what was not entertaining? The last thing I want to get your opinion on before we close out this uh, well-rounded episode, I must say, um, is the absolute embarrassment that was the Tennessee Ole Miss game, which oh. we should not say because it was uh-huh. actually a freaking fantastic game. It was so entertaining, so well matched. The environment at Neyland Stadium was amazing it came through the television and then I wish it hadn't because the way they ended was pathetic like yes you can get mad at calls but to throw trash and debris and freaking golf balls which like why do you even have them there I don't know but onto the field to the point yeah I don't I don't know that was weird onto the onto the field to the point that Players have had to clear the benches. Cheerleaders and band are evacuating the field. A head coach is being swarmed by police to protect him. Like, it was the most disgusting scene, in my opinion. As someone who works on those sidelines, if that started happening and I was down there, like, there is a fear element involved. Because, and yes, you're looking at it through the TV going, it's mustard bottles and, like, empty water bottles. That's nothing to be, quote, scared of. But if people are showing a lack of judgment to the point of doing something like this, you don't know what they're capable of at that point. Like, you do start wondering, all right, are people going to start coming down here to actually, like, throw bows? Like at this point we've lost control. And and if you Mm -hmm. keep losing control, all it takes is one stupid person to do something really violent. And then we've got a, a very, very dangerous situation. It was disgusting. If I was a volunteer, I would be embarrassed. If honestly, I'm embarrassed as part of the sec because we, we claim to be this 
top tier conference and and we walk around with that reputation and I think rightfully so because of what our student athletes put on the field and our academics and we are a fantastic conference and I have such pride being from the SEC and part of that was diminished because of a situation like that and yes it's not everybody obviously you can't claim that all Tennessee fans are like that but it was way more than I would anticipate at an SEC game the fact that that many people joined in on a brigade that embarrassing shows a total lack of character and judgment and I hope Greg Sankey takes appropriate actions if if schools are getting fined $250,000 for storming the field in celebration not to antagonize the opponent to celebrate something great happening if you're getting fined 250k this should be at least double I mean this is this is for people's safety. Like if, if we can't get a grip on that, if people are not getting banned from games for doing stuff like that, priorities are not in the right place. Great points. Uh, great points. I, I say this out of respect, you know, we've lost respect for, for just one another. I feel like as a country totally. and we are still trying to reel that back in. And it just goes to show you when you have outlash like this, like it's just unnecessary. Like, mm-hmm. yes, was the call questionable? Yes, the call was questionable, but it doesn't give you the right to take matters in your own hands and just start throwing things onto the field and just start throwing things at players and, and, and different things like that. And yes, I'm not saying you mad at Lane Kiffin because he was there and all of a sudden he left. So y'all had a bad divorce and, and everything. And now he's coming back and, you know, you want everything you can to just beat him. And when you don't get the call to go your way, you feel like I'm just going to make a personal decision and just start chunking things. And, you know, and let's just be honest. Have you ever been hit by a golf ball? It hurts. So, right. you know, if he gets hit in the right place with a golf ball, it can be uh, no, pretty bad. But yeah. how do you get in the stadium with stuff like that? I have no idea. But number two is uh, throwing mustard bottles and stuff like that. Like, what are we doing? Like, are you trying to there's recruits in the stands? There's families there on visits. Like if I'm a recruit, I don't know how I take that because I'm just like, OK, if you're willing to do this to a stranger team, then what are you willing to do me as a home team player? Like, how do how would I feel about that? You know, it's just it's just certain ways that you have to go about things. And that just wasn't the right way, because let's face it, at the end of the game, they still had a chance to win. Like yep. literally had a chance to win. So my whole thing is you talking about the $250,000 fine. I really think it should be a million dollar fine. Mm-hmm. Uh I honestly think it should have been a 15 to 30 yard penalty against Tennessee, because if you want to get people's attention, sometimes touching other folks money doesn't bother you because I'm saying this, those people that was throwing that stuff, you didn't touch their money. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Some of them didn't even go to Tennessee. Let's just be honest. You know, they're just a fan. So the fact that you're not hurting them by just, suspend or charging Tennessee a million dollars. Yes, Tennessee right. gonna be upset because they're gonna feel like, man, we gotta get this under control. But to the fan that did it, you didn't you didn't affect them. So totally they gotta make sure they get this under control. They handled this. It was shameful on the Tennessee fans. It was shameful uh to the SEC to see this and and everything. Yes, I understand competition is at a high, like I said, you know, Lane Kiffin coming back added a little bit just the a little bit more barbecue sauce on on top of the rib. <laughs> you and your food saying. analogies, homie. Every yeah, time. my food analogies every no, time. No, and look, saying, I mean, Lane is a very polarizing figure. You know, he is no stranger to creating controversy or stirring the pot. He kind of enjoys doing it. Honestly, go go look at his Twitter. But I. 
he makes it fun. He's not a robot, you know? I think, (laughs) you know, he can be kind of a, you know, kind of brass, I guess, is a good way to put it. But, um, you know, he is who he is. And I think Ole Miss loves him, you know? Like, Matt Corral and him have such a good relationship. Like, if you love him, you love him. And if you hate him, you want to throw golf balls at him. And clearly that's what happened. But I think there's, there's, you have to harness your emotions of college football way better than that. Just like we all have to harness how we operate in our day-to-day lives when things don't go our way. Your response is not to throw things. So hope that that is a one and only time that we see anything remotely similar to that. And uh, I, I await Greg Sankey's uh, response to this in terms of the punishment because it better fit the crowd. <laughs> but anyway, everyone, that is going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. As always, Jason and I greatly appreciate you guys listening each and every week. Enjoy the weekend of college football, even though your Tigers won't be on. Everyone can rest easy and watch a little more calmly than we typically do. And then next week, a big one looms, and Jason and I will preview the old Miss game and get you ready for that matchup on next week's episode. So make sure you subscribe if you have not already. You'll get a notification every time we release an episode. Again, you can find us in the podcast app, on Believe's website, Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcast. Search Believe in Everything Auburn, and we will see you there. So until we talk again, War Eagle. War Eagle, what a show. What a show, what people. A show. Hey, share what the a news, show. Share the news, share the information, <laughs> follow us. Uh, I, I don't really know. How, Taylor, own the thing when they follow us, because I've had this question coming up to me. How do they know if they follow us? Like, is there something the that they podcast? click on? Yes. Yeah, when you open up the podcast app in Apple and you go to our show, if you search Believe in Everything Auburn and our show page pops up that has all our episodes listed, there's a button at the top that says subscribe. And if you hit that, then you become a subscriber to the podcast and you will get a notification just like you do a a text message or an email notification um, that says a new episode is out. So you can do that on the podcast app. I don't know about Believe's website, but... If you're listening through Apple, you just go to our show page by searching the name and then the subscribe button's at the top. There it is, people. There's your tech update for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one, everyone. (laughs) Goodbye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.